Lord, this morning take my words and speak through them. Take each of our thoughts and inspire our minds. And take our hearts and ever fill them with love. Amen. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. Words from Jesus in today's gospel. How does hearing that make you feel? I wonder when was the last time that you felt angry? I wonder whether it was over something small and silly minor irritation in the day, or perhaps it was about something big, really quite serious. Either way, as Christians, we often feel really guilty about feeling anger. We shouldn't do it because we're nice. And readings like this one today, or the one about turning the other cheek, which actually comes just a few paragraphs on, or that image that we seem to have inherited of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, it all builds that sense that the emotion of anger isn't okay and something that actually we should avoid altogether. And if you add that to the general British reserve about showing emotion in general, then we're all left feeling pretty uncomfortable and rubbish much of the time. And many people find that this passage, which talks about anger alongside murder, both being liable to the same judgment, they find it really challenging because being human, we all get angry. But remember, we see Jesus get angry quite a lot. We see him turn over the tables and chase people out of the temple with whips. We see him get cross when people won't heal on the Sabbath and rebuke him for doing so. He's often far from happy and lets it be known when he sees how others treat other people. And so it's not anger that's the problem. We have to look deeper. And the thing is, we are only human. And I'm not sure that it's possible to avoid anger at all. And if that's the standard that we try and hold ourselves to, then we are destined to fail over and over and over again. And I don't think that it is the impossible that God asks us. The very tricky, yes, but never the impossible. The thing is, we all know that anger is part of being human. And we've seen that Jesus got angry. And Jesus was human. That's the whole point of the incarnation. We also know we can differentiate between different types of anger. We can get angry when someone cuts in front of us at traffic lights or nicks that last parking space right outside Tesco's. We can get angry when our children have yet again left Lego all over the floor. The pain of Lego on your foot is honestly the worst pain. Both of those probably not terribly constructive. But what about anger against poverty or injustice? About miscarriages of justice? Righteous anger can and often does drive us to make a better world. It's often at the root of much of our social campaigning. And the problem is, I think, that we're not actually very good at understanding how our anger works. And that comes often, I think, from how we talk about it. We talk about feeling angry, that angry is a feeling. 
and I've lost count of the number of times that people have come to me and said, I feel really angry about whatever. Oh, but I shouldn't, should I, because I'm a Christian. And whenever that word should comes in there, I should, I shouldn't feel like that, that's actually guilt creeping in. And guilt is the feeling. Anger is something a bit different. Because psychology tells us that anger is an emotion. And emotions are much, much more basic than feelings. They are physiological and chemical reactions, and sometimes physical reactions, that result from all that mix-match of chemicals in your body. They all result from an external stimulus. But when we start to talk about feelings, it's when our head gets involved, and we start labelling it and giving it meaning. Think about children, not about the Lego, but <laughs> children in general. You know, they come to you and they say, my tummy hurts. I, don't I feel a bit funny. My tummy isn't sitting still. And over time, as they grow up, we help them to learn to interpret that sensation in their stomach, the sensation of butterflies. And they get to understand that it might be nervousness. It might actually be excitement. It might be worry. The nervousness, the excitement, and the worry are the feeling that an emotion is actually that physical sense of stuff going on inside your body. It's deep, deep things. I wonder if you think back to a time that you've been angry, how you feel physically in your body, not how you think about it. I wonder where the tension comes for you. Perhaps your heart begins to race. Perhaps you feel yourself getting hot or tense. Maybe you clench your toes or your fists, your jaw. Maybe you can sense your face getting red. Different people experience it differently. The problem is, when we talk about anger, is that actually we have got very little control over that basic emotion because it's physical and unconscious. It's a reaction to the world or the people around us. And actually, they're good things because they're part of our safety measure. For instance, if someone were to jump out on you from behind a bush and shout, boo, your physical reaction to that, your physical emotion, would be no different from if it was a tiger that jumped out and said, rah, or if it was a mugger who came to take your wallet. The reaction is automatic. It's there to keep you safe. Your brain is on it like a flash. It's only later we start to label it and give it names about what that was. Now, you might ask, is this psychology stuff useful, Heather, or are you just boring us with it today? And is it going to help us, actually, if all I'm going to tell you is that you've got no control over your anger? Well, no, that's not what I'm saying, because that would take us back in that sense to that Jesus is asking us to do something impossible, which I don't think he ever does. And that is not what he's talking about at all. Jesus didn't have access to modern psychology, but he shows us time and time again in the Gospels that he really understands how people work. He has this great sense of emotional intelligence about him. You see in this passage that he's connected anger with murder because he recognises that it's not the anger itself that's the problem, it's that it's final outworking. Because most murders come from some form of anger. And so Jesus takes the commandments which forbid the extreme and he works backwards. He goes back, not just to the moment before the hand strikes the fatal blow, but to the moment of severing of broken relationship 
between the people that produces the anger in the first place. Now, most anger, thankfully, does not result in the extreme of murder. Usually, we get a bit cross or huffy or we have harsh words or we might shout at someone and, you know, sometimes it does turn physical. But what they've all got in common is a broken relationship between people. Jesus teaches this particular passage in his Sermon on the Mount and this whole section here in um, chapter 5 and beginning of 6 is about a set of teachings about murder, adultery, divorce, oaths and vows, retribution, neighbours and enemies. And Matthew has included this and made it such a big part because the community that he is writing his gospel for in the first century are struggling. There's not many of them and they need to stick together rather than fall apart through the things that break relationships. This is the early church. It's really important that the church sticks together. Jesus explains in this passage that the best way to keep the commandments is to recognise the root causes. And I think that Jesus asks each and every one of us to search ourselves, to know ourselves really well, to search our consciences and learn to spot those emotions, learn to deal with them constructively before they get out of control. It's not good enough to go, well, I'm fine, I haven't killed anyone this week. We need to stop it sooner. He talks in this passage about going to the altar and remembering that you've fallen out with someone and then stopping and going and putting it right before you come back. And he talks as well about coming to terms on the way to court. Both of those things require self-examination, self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and frankly, an awful lot of personal honesty about ourselves and our motives. But we've got some help with this because the church liturgy week by week offers us the chance to practice every time you come to Holy Communion. We've just said the prayer of confession near the beginning, and if you've forgotten that, when we come to the Lord's Prayer, we ask for forgiveness and for the energy and will to forgive others as well again. And in a minute, we will celebrate the peace together, a chance to demonstrate that repentance and forgiveness of one another. Now, the chances are that the person that you might be angry with on any given day is not going to be in the church building. They're quite often far away. But we can practice it together week by week as Christians. Perhaps we can take it back out with us into our daily lives. Just lately, I've been thinking a lot about the examine prayer. It's from Ignatian Spirituality, and it's a prayer that basically reviews your day. And together with God, you look back over your day through God's eyes. You give thanks for the good things and you notice the less good. And really importantly for what we've been talking about today, you're asked to notice your feelings and your emotions, how you were moving through the day. For the scribes and the Pharisees, it says in this reading, keeping the Ten Commandments at the heart of the law is really about keeping a good relationship with God. But Jesus points out time and time again that we can only do that by keeping a good relationship with our neighbour. And that, it seems, requires an awful lot of knowing about ourselves and how we act and react. And so over time, and it does take time, 
over time, the practice of using a prayer like the examine can help us to understand ourselves and our actions and reactions better. The first stage of that prayer is actually to just sit and become aware of the presence and the love of God. Because this is not about guilt and condemnation, but it's about reconciliation. It's about the healing of broken relationships with ourselves, with our neighbour, and ultimately with God. I wrote this sermon based particularly on the gospel. But if you've got time this week or in the days ahead, go and look at those other readings from 2 Corinthians and the psalm. And let that sense ring in your ears as you read those words. Because as I read them just now, I was thinking, oh, there's more there. But we won't have more today. I'll leave you with that. So go, spend time with God and think. And ultimately live well with self, neighbour and the Almighty. Amen.